0: Thanks to LegalZoom for supporting Motley Fool. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or control your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom is where to start. They're not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys can help to keep you on track. For special savings, and to Fool at checkout, LegalZoom.com. That's LegalZoom.com. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday, the 1st of February. I'm going to be doing a listener mailbag episode. This is where we answer a couple of questions that you have kindly sent in. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me in the studio is Motley Fool Canada Premium Analyst, Taylor Muckerman. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. This episode's right up my alley.
0: <laughs> it is, thank goodness. <laughs> what, you mean random questions?
1: Yeah, random questions yep. and, and just the topics that they're covering.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, before we start in earnest uh, with today's show, I just want to mention one thing. The Motley Fool has a competition for college students. It's open to all people over 18 attending college. The first place winner gets $10,000, and 20 runners up can, re- can receive $1,000. So all you have to do is enter. Uh, all you have to do to enter is write a 500 to a thousand word article on one of the prompts listed on the competition page, which is at slash competition It doesn't close until April 30th, so there's plenty of time. If you are a college student, then please apply. It's a great way to get some extra cash and to put your podcast listening to some good use. Similarly, if you know any college students, please spread the good word. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Please visit www. Forward slash competition for more details. How does ten thousand dollars sound, Taylor? It
1: would sound even better if I was a college student. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you are over eighteen, though, so I am. Yes, just. <laughs> uh, so the first question um, we received was actually on Twitter. Um, you can always tweet us at any time at MF Industry Focus. So, for anyone not familiar with this, on January the 23rd, Pre- President Trump made these remarks. He said, based on the recommendations of the independent, bipartisan US International Trade Commission, I'm taking action to impose safeguards on imported residential washing machines and all solar products. So, we covered the basics of this on an episode on the 27th of September last year, when the ITC, the International Trade Commission, ruled, uh, I think they ruled four to zero in favor of authorizing trade barriers. Um, but this goal came after a petition by Georgia-based Suniva, Oregon-based Solar World uh, that in- invoked the 201 Safeguard Law. Um, so President Trump believes this will create jobs, revive US manufacturing sector. Uh, were you surprised, Taylor?
1: Um, you know, they brought this up a few months ago, and the two companies that brought it up, Solar World and Suniva, aren't even US companies. They're based here in the United States. German. But Solar World is owned by a German company, mm-hmm. and Suniva is owned by a Hong Kong-based company. So interesting to see tariffs um, imposed due to complaints by foreign companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, 30% tariff, a little bit surprised. Simply because of the impact that the solar industry has had on the U.S. job force over the last uh, five to ten years, um, the rapid decrease in cost—you're looking at a 75 or 70 percent lower install cost since 2010—just a dramatic lowering of costs there. Now it's competitive with a lot of other energy sources, uh, even without subsidies, even though um, that that was one of the big hangups for a lot of people, was that this industry has been wildly subsidized in the past. You're still looking at about $20 billion in subsidies to fossil fuels in the United States. So, it's not... It's not just solar that's being helped out by the U.S. government. Um, it's it's all across the board. And um, over a quarter million jobs in this industry, and the Solar Energy Industries Association says we're going to lose about 34% of those uh, over the next five years, uh, 23,000 of that 260,000 this year alone. So uh, upfront cost already right there in terms of jobs, and these jobs are generally – much higher paying than minimum wage uh, and other blue-collar jobs. So the claim that it's going to create jobs, there's nobody that says it's going to remain right where it is. There's either going to lose 34% of the jobs or we're going to create jobs according to Donald Trump. Um, I'm going to trust the industry experts that have been talking – out about this since it was even announced as a possibility and and suggest that maybe this isn't going to be so great for the solar industry setting us back when we've really been championing re- renewable energy for the last few years mm-hmm. and uh, trying to keep up with the rest of the world with so many other countries just plowing money into renewables in terms of wind and solar and hydro and uh, i'd hate to see us get left behind
0: yeah so as you quite rightly pointed out there's been a huge boost in jobs i think that the jobs are up 178% since 2010 yeah, in the solar industry doubled
1: since 2012
0: it's it's crazy and i think um just for people not familiar with this this particularly pertains to the solar cell manufacturing mm-hmm. whereas a bigger portion of the industry now is essentially the uh, installation of the panels is yeah, that right
1: that's right and that's where most of this job loss they suggest is going to be impacted because The the U.S. uh, solar panel manufacturers, they're not too nervous about this, but yeah, certainly like um, the solar cities and and there's so many regional competitors to solar installations, small businesses that are going to be impacted by this most likely. So um, they just don't have the scale that Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the larger manufacturers have, like First Solar and SunPower and things that are global companies. And so you're looking at a potential impact to small and medium-sized businesses here. And uh, but it's not a thirty percent over all five years. It's going to drop five percent each each year, landing at ten percent the final year, and then and then disappearing in year six. But still, uh, pretty broad impact if you listen to those in the industry.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the first two point five gigawatts of imported solar cells are exempt too, uh, okay. which obviously will have will soften the blow somewhat, but not completely. Um, and I mean, it's important to note that. The actual of of the percentage of the finished product, I think the solar cells are somewhere about thirty mm-hmm. percent. Um, but when you're talking of you know, you have really got slim margins here, sure, t- and yeah. to really make the sale on this, you're talking about um, you know pennies uh, of, of per, per kilowatt. So everything's up for grabs. One thing that we might see, um, and it's been rumored that this has already happened. It's been rumored that a uh, an identified foreign company. It was discussing opening a solar module assembly plant in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. So we might start to see some more um, spending in, from foreign companies in terms of actually doing the assembly in the US, but still that doesn't overcome a lot of the predicted job losses.
1: Yeah. More regionally based, too, like more widespread around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, so. Before we go on, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today. Uh, What will 2018 hold for you? New house, new business, new baby? Now that the holiday rush is over, LegalZoom can help you make this a memorable year. But before all the distractions take hold, LegalZoom can help if you're finally getting serious about starting your own business or if you want to secure your children's future with an estate plan, as the company has been helping families for 16 years. Rather than billing by the hours, all pricing is upfront. They're not a law firm, but they have the resources to keep you on the right path, including advice from their network of independent attorneys, all at your fingertips. Go to LegalZoom.com today and get special savings when you enter Fool in the promo box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. So we also got an email asking about the railroad industry, mm-hmm. um, our opinion and stocks in the space. Personally, I'm fascinated by logistics generally in the U.S. Okay. right now. Um Freight is definitely not a small portion of that. I think it's a $60 billion industry, sorry.
1: No problem.
0: With uh, more miles in the system, supposedly than any other rail system. That seems that huge, but it's that's according to the Federal Transport Administration, so uh, it must be true. Um, of rail freight, the majority is bulk commodities like agricultural, energy products, mineral, paper. And this is because rail is great for moving. Heavy commodities over long distances, whereas trucks and we talked about trucking last week um, is best for transporting time-sensitive, high-value goods, short to medium distances.
1: Also, an industry in high demand. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. If you're kind of shortage of that. mm -hmm.
0: If you're bullish on people, uh, population expanding and people consuming more, then logistics is kind of what you want to be. So, what do you make of the space, Taylor?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, there's so you talk about it being a large industry and. one of the largest globally for for the United States and North America in particular. So there's when you look at an industry this big, it's there's a few big players. Um, you've got in order of size, you got Union Pacific is an, is the number one market cap, looking at about a hundred billion dollars. And then about half the size of that is Canadian National Rail, which is the largest Canadian rail line, but it does have access straight down the gut of the United States, um, passing through Chicago and the Midwest down into the Gulf. And then uh, CSX, mostly East Coast, Appalachian region uh, from New England down to down to its headquarters in Jacksonville, Florida, and then uh, Norfolk Southern, Canadian Pacific, and uh, Kansas uh, Kansas Southern. So those are the big six here in the United States. There's a couple smaller ones. And then, of course, you have uh, BNSF, which is owned by Berkshire. So you can't invest directly in that. But if you want access to it, just buy some $350 <laughs> shares of Berkshire or however much it is this, these days. Um, but you, you want to look at three specific things when you look at these companies. And that's what they're towing, where they're towing it, and how, how efficiently they're towing it. And Uh, For the last, you know, five to 10 years, the most efficient one has been Canadian National Railway. Hunter Harrison, who uh, recently passed away as the CEO of CSX, um, really revolutionized the rail industry. First at, uh, I think, Illinois Railway. It was a a small, I don't know if it was public at the time, but this was many decades ago. Then he took the helm at Canadian National Railway, and he, he... basically created a whole new way of running a railroad with the precision scheduling. And so driving the operating ratio down, which is operating expenses divided by revenue. And that's kind of how you gauge the efficiency of railroads. And you can kind of compare the peers, the peer group. And uh, right now you're looking at Canadian National Rail with a uh, operating ratio. I think they ended 2017 right about 60%, 60. 60.4%. For some perspective, Union Pacific at 62.6%, and uh, CSX, another big railroad, at 67.9%. So a little bit higher, and um If you can kind of follow him around the rail industry, he was at CN Rail for a while. Then he got poached by Canadian Pacific, and then he got poached from there and moved to CSX, where he unfortunately passed away uh, several months ago as the CEO. And so that company is still in a state of flux trying to transition to his method of precision railroading um, because CSX's network is just They likened it to a bowl of spaghetti. It's just so convoluted and everything's going in which way because it's in a tight area, um, hard logistically. And so when you look at Canadian uh, National Railway, they go east to west in Canada and north to south straight down the gut and Canadian Pacific east to west. So it didn't really have this tangled mess that CSX has. So they're busy closing major hubs. They're busy um, eliminating railway uh, mileage. And uh, so that company, I think you could look at that as a turnaround story. Um, but the best, in, the best of the breed, definitely CN Rail, CP, and um, the biggest Union Pacific.
0: hmm And uh, actually raised a lot of questions about contingency planning when he passed away. I think. Yeah. Um, there was a big feature in the Wall Street Journal about that, which I mean, it's an it's an unfortunate thing to happen. But investors need to know that if it does happen, there's there's a plan in place. Sure.
1: Yeah. And they they um, they wanted to do a, a independent health screen. And he said, no, you just have to take the word of my own personal doctor. And the board did. And now, the, whether or not that would have raised any red flags, you never, no one's ever going to know. Um, but they did that, and they gave him you know, a huge payout. And so, um, definitely, he used his reputation uh, to you know, steer that discussion in his direction. And so, yeah, certainly, another thing that investors would want to be cognizant of, got to be aware of um, you know kind of the handouts and the the
0: compensation. Packages, yeah, the,
1: yeah, the CEOs are getting. No matter how great they've been in the past, you can still reach too far.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned operation operating ratio mm-hmm. um, hugely important in this industry. I think that when Union because Union Pacific's, if correct me if I'm wrong, has been driving to sixty percent for.
1: Yeah, that's a their while. goal. By next year they hope 2019 they mm-hmm. hope to have it in the sixty percent range.
0: Because I think their stock. Dipped a little bit when they announced, um, you know, year final year earnings, just because they they didn't make that, mm-hmm. they missed that mark because of some headwinds. I think fuel prices were up. Um, and it was a, it was a very early, bad winter. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of the railroads, they've, they've reported similar issues. Um, but just things to note is, obviously, it's a really cyclical industry, and it's dependent on other industries, agriculture, energy, which we know go yeah. through these huge cycles. Um, and it's also coal accounts for nearly 40% of the tonnage. Um, and coal's enjoying a bit of a boon now because of the presidency that we have, but...
1: I think you called it beautiful, clean coal <laughs> last night on the State of the <laughs> Union. Uh, I don't... I don't know if it's beautiful nor clean, but uh, it is coal. So yep. you got one of the three <laughs> words right.
0: Yeah, we used to, I uh, when I was in high school, we lived in a farmhouse and we mm-hmm. had a coal fire and I can tell you it's not clean. <laughs> no, no.
1: The, the billions that have been spent trying to make it clean and it just haven't come through yet um, prove that it's much harder than just saying beautiful, clean coal mm-hmm. uh, a thousand times.
0: Another thing to... Be mindful of is the increased use of pipelines in energy transportation, mm-hmm. and obviously we've talked about that before. We've talked about you know all these new pipelines being built, especially for around natural gas in the northeast and yep. things like that. Um, I, I personally am still bullish, as as we talked about, on kind of the whole logistics infrastructure. Um, but these are things that I think people need to be considerate of. Yeah, and um, you're
1: looking at companies that pay dividends. They might not be the highest dividends in the world. You're looking at 1% to 3%, maybe.
0: Yeah, 2.2% I, for Union Pacific, which yeah, is pretty good.
1: And uh, yeah, you. I think um, Canadian National is around one8 1.9%. But when things do go flat for these companies, they're churning out a bunch of cash buying back shares they have the opportunity to raise the dividend if there's um, a lesser need to invest back into the business so even during downtimes these are very very necessary industry and mm-hmm. um, some companies rely more on intermodal where you have the uh, basically the cabs of the semi truck rigs dropped onto a, a flatbed on a train taking it from the the shipping terminal to a trucking um Hub and then right onto the semi across the country, so you can ride on that. And like you said, um, coal. Union, or sorry, CSX has lost about two billion in coal revenue over the last several years. So, and before Hunter Harrison passed away, he said, "I want the last trail." He he admitted the game is up. Like coal is going to disappear, and CSX and others will have to find a way. But he he said um, that he wanted the last rail car of coal to be transported on a CSX railway. So, He's kind of in there. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I heard that, I was like, wow, you know, you hear from this C- CEO of a company, very dependent on coal, much less than it used to be, but um, to say that it's on its way out, right when he took the job was, you know, that's where I was like, yeah, I think you're right.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's interesting to me given how dependent the US once was on passenger sure. rail. Yeah. That that just doesn't feature now really. I mean, obviously there's there are some uh but to the it's not to the same extent. Um is just really wiped yep. that out. Mm-hmm. Um so we received a similar question about uh agriculture, basically, what do we think about it? Um, why do we not talk about it more was one? <laughs> was the gist of the question, yeah, sure. which is essentially, uh, yes, you are right, we should talk about <laughs> it more. It's a pretty huge uh, part of the American industry. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of factors at play in this industry. It's dependent on weather, oversupply issues, weakening selling, selling price, which is something that we're beginning to see. It's a tough industry, but you know we always need food yeah and chemicals and commodity things. industry
1: that's yep. basically an oil and gas industry or a gold or silver industry mm-hmm. wrapped up into something you can eat
0: yeah <laughs> wrapped up in a cereal box <laughs> yeah. um so there's lots of ways to play the market mm-hmm. um in terms of like the the equipment manufacturers the seed suppliers the fertilizer yeah. companies um what would be your strategy to kind of hedge your bets in the industry
1: Just diversify, I guess. Um, You look at, like you mentioned, there are several different subsectors of the ag uh, sector as a whole. Um, Fertilizer, one of the biggest. So commodity industry, these companies are mining things like potash, nitrogen, phosphate, ammonia, and some of them mine a lot of them. Some of them are more niche and only mine one or two. But uh, the potash industry, one of the more important fertilizers out there. Uh, back in 2013, the, the quote-unquote OPEC of potash broke up. It was a, a Russian company, ural Kali, and a Belarusian company, Belarus-Kali. They basically owned a third of the market of potash, and ural Kali, the Russian company, backed out unannounced and just sent the potash market into a free fall. And it's been recovering ever since. They had discussions this past summer in July – nothing came of it. So they're still separate entities. Uh, But you're looking at those two companies. And then the Canadian giants, um, like you've got now uh, Nutrient, which is Agrium and Potash Corporation combined. They just finalized that deal and released the new ticker um, this late last year. Yeah, like just November, December of last year. So that's a $34 billion company. And then CF Industries is a US based company. Mosaic um, is one of the more diversified companies in terms of the fertilizers they produce. And then uh, another big one internationally, Sociedad Chémica y Minera de Chile, uh, SQM, (laughs) I guess. Maybe somebody can correct me over Twitter. Um, But they uh, are a big um, diversified company, not only fertilizer, but lithium. They're a big play in the lithium market, iodine, industrial chemicals, and potassium. So a little bit of uh, maybe you're not hedging all your all your bets on, on the success of fertilizer, even though you imagine less and less arable land, more and more people. You're going to need to increase your yield, so fertilizer is an important part of that. But um, so that's one that's one area. And these companies like they're cyclical, as you mentioned, not only because um, crop yields are dependent, weather dependent, but also um, People eat more sometimes than they do in other years. Population can boom. Uh, you could have a big demographic start to die off or a big demographic start to hit their years where they eat more. So it's definitely something you got to pay attention to in terms of global population and things like that. These crops are being moved all over the world by boat and train. Uh,
0: One interesting thing to note about yeah. that is uh, though they- I read a statistic today. It said meat consumption Mm -hmm. has declined 7.3% in the US. Oh, wow. Canada, Canada, sorry. China (laughs) is now the the largest consumer and it is projected to increase 15%. So I just kind of thought that's uh, interesting. I'm not sure exactly if that's kind of this whole shift towards more plant based foods as a health movement yeah. or, or what that actually means for the US but um, certainly these huge global demographic swings as you mentioned play a huge role and another company that's worth mentioning um, you may may have already mentioned it, it's FMC Corp oh um, yeah right yes yep. purely just because they're kind of back in vogue now after falling out of favour on Wall Street um, but uh, their their lithium segment, which I think only contributes about ten percent, mm-hmm. their plan is to just grow that and grow that and then sell, spin it off. Um, yeah. P- so their
1: their other big businesses, crop protection, mm-hmm. so f- um, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, things yep. like that.
0: So their PE is pretty high. I think basically because you know lithium's so hot right now. Yeah. Everybody's seen what Tesla. Thanks, doing. Elon Musk. Yeah. Exactly. You're a jerk. A <laughs> well,
1: gigafactory. you know,
0: double the global yeah. production of batteries. I should probably get in on the thing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's just an interesting, interesting play. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, the one other thing to watch, I would say, in the industry, um, is Monsanto Bayer deal. Yeah, potentially for sure. Um,
1: They're they're in the the same market as FMC Corp with mm -hmm. the the seed protection and genomics, uh, the the biggest of the breed in terms of that, like public companies, yeah. And then Dow DuPont competing in that space as well, Mm -hmm. with about six billion dollars in. Ag revenue each year with their seed business.
0: These are huge, absolutely huge businesses. Yeah, they're massive. Talking about. They're
1: massive. Um, Monsanto, $54 billion. Dow DuPont, $176 billion market cap. Obviously, it's not all from ag with them, but mm-hmm. still a pretty decent portion when you're talking about $6 billion in annual revenue. Um, and then tying you back to the decline in protein consumption. There's a company we're watching closely in Canada, AGT Food and Ingredients. It's a small cap stock, $500 million market cap, Canadian dollars. So take take 20% off of that, and you're, you're looking at a $400 million company in U.S. dollars. But uh, they're the largest producer and exporter of pulse crops, which is like the seeds, the edible seeds from peas, beans, lentils, and chickpeas. Mm-hmm. And as you start to see more um, vegetarian, vegan diets, you have to get your proteins from somewhere, and those are big sources of protein and fiber, and it's the world's largest provider of that. So it's a unique company, and their logistics network, talking about logistics again, is one of their key uh, selling points of this company because they sell it around the world to over 120 countries. So
0: That is interesting. Yeah. So currently it's 400 a, a, million. A more cup. niche
1: player, yeah, yeah and it's 2.7% uh, yield, AGT on the, on the TSX. I'm not sure if it's over-the-counter, mm-hmm. but um, fairly easy to buy a Canadian company if you're if you're in the U.S. and um, and then you can talk about equipment companies like Deer and in, yeah. Co. and uh, Agco Corp., which is a more pure play on agricultural equipment, and uh, another Canadian company, Ag Growth, which is more grain handling like conveyor belts and and silos and things like that. So um, more niche as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, trends in the industry right now. Uh, you, the average age of a farmer in, um, in the U.S. is 50. Mm-hmm. 30% are above 65. So you're starting to see more young people come into yeah. the industry. And you're starting to see the lessons that they're being taught by the people they're taking over from is mechanized to the fullest extent oh, because yeah, the right. labor is just not there.
1: Yeah, and John um, Deere or Deere & Co. is at the forefront of that absolutely. in terms of uh, automating the heck out of the industry. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I can't remember what it's called. Is it set and run? Uh, harvesting or something where it's basically what they're doing so if
1: it's not maybe they should change the name to that
0: (laughs) (laughs) just coin a new phrase yeah uh, yeah, one more thing to mention just exactly the same with railroad is there's some great uh, income opportunities I think in the industry Um, if you're okay to kind of go along with those peaks and troughs for the long term then you can really find some gems Uh, and
1: speaking of peak to trough Deer & Co up 57% in the last 12 months that is
0: nuts yeah Yeah. that's
1: one heck of a year for a company of that size Mm
0: -hmm. Um, well, thank you very much, Taylor. I'm sure we will probably try and do a, an agriculture type show where we focus more. Yeah, for sure.
1: Dive into those companies more specifically. Mm-hmm. But it's that just was such a huge space. Pretty broad overview. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus@full.com or tweet us on Twitter at mfindustryfocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thank you to Austin Morgan for producing the show today. For Taylor, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and fall on.